today we are going to be looking at one of my favorite biblical characters. But first, I have a question for you. Have you ever received a lot of praise for something? Have you ever received a lot of praise for something? Some of you are like, you don't even know how much like recognition and praise I have received. Like I am so awesome and so amazing. For me, I was like really struggling. I think I had to go back to sixth grade to like an award ceremony where I felt like I got a lot of recognition. Now I was the kid that every year got like, what was it like? the gym class award where you got the presidential like blue little thing. I got that every year, but sixth grade year, I got a legit award. Now, the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized it isn't as legit as I thought. It was uh, seventh grade student, most improved math student. Now, if that's not an award that you want, I don't know what is. But really, the truth is, I didn't do that great. I was just that bad at math at the beginning of the year. And then I improved. So that's what I have going for me. But I want to tell you guys a story about something that happened in my family recently. So obviously, I'm from Atlanta. I love my city. I love my family. And they've been doing ministry in Atlanta for like 80-something years, like my grandfather was doing ministry, like my mom does ministry, my uncle does ministry. So that's kind of the family that I come from. But about 30 years ago, my family helped plant a church in the Atlanta area. And my uncle has served on staff there for 30 years, which that is a long time to be at one church. But he has been there. He's been through like a lot of senior pastors, but he's been like the consistent one at this church. And my uncle is weird. He's also a worship leader, so it must be a worship leader thing. Um, but he, he like loves his congregation so much. Like if you didn't love your congregation and love your church, like you're not going to be there for 30 years. Well, this last year and a half has been hard for pretty much any church around the world in the last year and a half. Um, but he's trying to reconnect, especially because it's an older church and a lot of people have passed away. A lot of people have navigated different health issues. But my uncle was sitting down with a man just having lunch with him. And he knew that the man had had COVID and was recovering. And obviously he was out of the hospital, but he still didn't look himself. He looked pretty sick. And my uncle just said, hey, like, how are you doing after COVID? Like, are you feeling okay? And he's like, to be honest with you, nobody really knows this. But for the last year and a half, I've been on a kidney transplant list. And that was before COVID. And he's like, in my body now, it went through so much fighting off COVID that now my kidney is functioning at about 5%. Now, I don't know anything about medical like health stuff, but 5% functioning, no matter what, is not good. And my uncle, being a crazy worship minister, he just looked at the man straight in his eyes and said, hey, I'll give you my kidney. And like, I think the man didn't take him serious, but like my uncle was like dead set. So he went, found out it was a match and my uncle literally gave this man his kidney. And like, I don't think my uncle knew like how big of a deal that was and how hard the recovery would be. And it's actually harder on the person donating than the person receiving. But my uncle didn't do it just for everybody in his church to be like, hey, Dr. Slick, which that is my uncle's name, which is the coolest name ever, being Dr. Slick. But they, he didn't do it for people to be like, hey, Dr. Slick, like, that's amazing. You're such an awesome minister. We love you, yada, yada. Like, my uncle did it because he loved this man. He wanted this man to recover. He wanted to see him healthy once again. But the crazy thing is, he didn't just receive recognition from people in the church. Somebody 
like leaked the story to like a news outlet and then all the news outlets got a hold of this story about a pastor that literally donated his kidney and it blew up. Like I knew my uncle was doing it and I knew that he was recovering and he was having a hard time with it. But then all of a sudden, like on Facebook, everybody from Atlanta is like sharing this story. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, I didn't know it was newsworthy, but apparently it was. But people love the idea that a pastor cared so much for a member in their congregation that he was willing to go through that. And then I started thinking about my uncle. My uncle, like I said, he wasn't doing it for the recognition, for the praise. He did it out of love. And I was like, how is he handling like all these interviews? Having a camera come and like have him like laying in a hospital bed and like they're taking pictures. I'm like, that's a little weird. But what I loved is I looked up a news article and it really showed me the heart of my uncle. And it said this, one of the things we teach people is that you're to love your neighbor as yourself, Slick explained. I wish they would have put doctor there, but Slick explained. I've had years of teaching others. I felt this was the perfect opportunity to model what I tell other people they should be doing. Like, man, is that not like the most godly response? Like, why are you doing this? Simply put, Jesus taught it. I'm teaching other people that that's what they should do. And so why wouldn't I model that? He didn't do it for the recognition. He didn't do it for the praise. He did it out of his love for this man, out of his love for God. And today we're going to look at a character that honestly started getting a lot of recognition. He started getting a lot of praise. And it wasn't somebody that we would look at and say, hey, that's a person that they're going to make a big impact. They look like somebody that's going to be really successful. And the person we're going to talk about today is John the Baptist. Now, if you remember Zach a few weeks ago, he talked about that couple that was really old and then they got pregnant and this, this baby was going to end up being the one to prepare a way for Jesus. And so that is John the Baptist who we're going to be looking at today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip to John chapter 1, verse 19, and that's where we're going to be reading today. And it says this, <clears throat> now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not, man of many words. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So this is like a really, like, we don't really learn a whole lot about who John the Baptist is in this. We learn about who he is not. We learn who John the Baptist is not. And so our million dollar question today is how should we handle recognition? How should we handle recognition? And the first thing we must do is don't pretend to be something that you're not. Don't pretend to be something that you are not. Be true to yourself when you get recognition. And you may be like, okay, catch me up real quick. Who was John the Baptist? Why are these priests coming to question him? Well, you see, John is a man that literally Dress is weird. He's got really bad hair. This is all in scripture. I'm not making this up. So he dresses weird, probably smells weird, eats weird things like honey and bugs, like weird diet, but that's who he was. And all of a sudden, thousands of people are going out into the wilderness to hear this man teach. And he's not just teaching like a nice, like fluffy message. He is like preaching, repent, turn away from your evil ways and turn back to God. And thousands of people are listening to this weird, and that's the Bible's words, not mine, this weird, unique man. And they're hearing him 
and their lives are being changed. They're turning away from their ways and turning to Jesus. And these religious leaders that dress a certain way, talk a certain way, they're in you know, the temple courts. And then all of a sudden, all these people are going off into the wilderness. And they're like, who is this man? Who is this man that all these people are flocking to? And so they come and ask these questions. Are you the Messiah? Now, I think you have to be kind of crazy to claim you're the Messiah. And so he clearly says, no, I am not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? They ask. And for some of you, this may be confusing because you hear later that Jesus calls him Elijah. But what does he say? That John the Baptist was Elijah in spirit and in power. He wasn't the literal Elijah. He wasn't like the second coming of Elijah, but in spirit and power, he was Elijah. But John, he could have explained all that to these religious leaders. He could have said, you know what? I'm not literally Elijah, but I am him in spirit and power. I am speaking with power and authority just like him. I have this great message that you need to hear, that you need to repent and turn to God. He could have walked them all through it, but do you think they would have actually listened to him? Do you think they would have cared? Probably not. And then last but not least, they say, are you the prophet? And this is referring to Moses' Moses prophecy of saying that a prophet or a prophet would come and share this great message. And in Jewish custom, they thought the Messiah and this prophet were two different characters. But as we learn, they were one. And he says, look, I'm not who Moses talked about in Deuteronomy either. I think it's really easy for us when we get a little bit of recognition, I'd say he got a lot of recognition from all these people that were coming and hearing him, but also these religious leaders, he was getting a lot of recognition. And it's really easy when we get a little taste, a little taste of recognition, a little taste of power, it's easy for us to start building ourselves up, thinking that we're greater than we really are, overselling ourselves. Maybe somebody asks you what you do, and maybe you like overemphasize what you do, and you make it seem like you're greater than you are, that your job is greater than what it really is. That's something that maybe we don't even recognize that we're doing, yet we do it. But what did John do here? John said, look, I am here. I am here. I was sent by God to proclaim this message. I am here to be that bright neon sign pointing to Jesus. You can compare me to all these things, but I am me and I am here to do a specific task. I'm not going to pump myself up. I'm not going to say how awesome and amazing is. I'm going to point to Jesus. But for me, is that what I do when I get a little bit of recognition? The answer is no. I'm going back to seventh grade, guys. So seventh grade year, TJ was going to a brand new middle school. If you enjoyed middle school, raise your hand. Okay, I asked to raise a hand and like two people raised their hand. So my story makes sense. Middle school was really rough. I think we have one middle schooler in here. Avery, Avery, do you like middle school? Avery likes middle school. She's, she also is homeschooled, so goes to like a co-op. So uh, that's probably why she enjoys it. So good job, Clax. You're doing a great job. But middle school is really rough. Like middle schoolers are mean. And I went to a new middle school seventh grade year because sixth grade year, I almost died, got pulled out of school. It's a really long story. But seventh grade year, right before the school year, I went to the barber shop and they were like, how do you want your hair? And I don't think my mom was around to like step in and say something. 
But I was like, shave it. <laughs> and guys, I have a bad head. Like, that's what I learned in seventh grade. I have a really bad head. Like, I looked like Sid from Toy Story. I think we have a picture of him. Like, that's kind of what I looked like. Like, I was a weird-looking kid. So I go to this brand-new school with really nice and amazing middle school students. That is not true. They were all mean. And I go to school as the new kid, and I'm, like, sitting in cafeteria by myself. In classrooms, sitting by myself. But the cool thing about hair is it grows back. And when it grew back, I got attention, guys. All of a sudden, people were talking to me, and they're like, hey, when did you start going to school here? I'm like, I've been here all year. <laughs> like, I have been here. You just didn't pay attention to me because you thought I was a kid that was, like, destroying toys and blowing them up in the backyard. But all of a sudden, I got invited into like this inner circle, like the cool kids, right? Like that group that you want to be a part of, but you don't want to be a part of because you, know, you think they're going to be mean to you. But I got to be a part of that group. And then all of a sudden, TJ was like a whole new TJ. The things I was interested in all changed. The things I talked about all changed. I was not the real TJ, but I was going to do anything to put up an image of myself so I could fit in. So those kids had money, so I acted like I had money, and I had no money. It was a time where I was just like really fake, but I got that recognition. I felt like I belonged, and so I had to maintain a certain image. And maybe you're like laughing at this, and it is a funny story, but maybe you have seen yourself do that here in this city where you have finally maintained that thing you desired so bad, that position you desired so bad, that power you desired so bad, and all of a sudden, you're not the real you anymore. You're being something that you're really not in order to maintain, because you think you have to do that to maintain that thing or that position. The quote that I have for you is maybe leans a little younger, but I think you guys can all pick up on it. When we get hyped up, we get puffed up. I think everybody can follow with that one, right? Like when we get hyped up, when people like tell us how awesome, how amazing we are, we get a little bit full of ourselves. When we get puffed up, we tend to get messed up. What do I mean by that? When people are telling us how amazing we are, how awesome we are, all of a sudden we are like, I am pretty awesome. Like, you know what? I am better than a lot of those people from my hometown. You know what? I do have some pretty cool friends in some pretty cool places. I am, and it changes the way we view ourselves. It changes the way we view other people. Like, just a little bit of recognition can hurt the way we think and the way we view ourselves and view other people. So my question for you is, have you let success puff you up? Have you let this city and the desire to achieve great things get to your head and it's changed you? You're a fake you because you feel like you have to do that to maintain what you have. When we look at John, and what did John do? Like I said, man, a few words. No, 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 no. He knew who he was. He was confident in who he was. He didn't try to be something he wasn't. Let's continue our reading in verse 22. It says this. Finally, they said, who are you? Because they didn't like the answers he gave, understandably so. Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied, 
In the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So how should we handle recognition? Don't pretend to be something you're not and remember your purpose. Remember why you're doing what you do. What brought you originally to the city? Was it just for you to get in a place of power and authority? What was the why for you coming here? And if you grew up here, the same question, why are you still here? What keeps you here? What is that why? Because it's hard. You could move somewhere else and it'd be a lot easier. What's the why? For John, John knew what the why was. He was blessed. You know, God literally spoke to his father. As Zach read a few weeks ago, we're gonna read again. Luke 1, 16 through 17 says this. He, speaking of John, will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness of, of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John literally knew why he was where he was at. John knew what his purpose was. And he was getting attention now because of it. But he couldn't lose sight of why, what he was here to do. Was he there to just draw a big crowd? No. Was he there to gain a bunch of disciples? No. He was there to prepare a way, to prepare a way, to prepare for the Messiah who was coming the next day. That's what John's why was. That's what his purpose was. He didn't get caught up in the hype. He didn't get caught up in what people were saying about him. He said, look, God has sent me here. He has sent me here to do this task. And I want to do it to the best of my abilities. And you know what? Beyond my own abilities, spirit, speak through me. Give me the spirit. And it says that he received the spirit in his mother's womb. And because of that, he did something truly amazing. I also love, it's probably my favorite verse in this entire uh, story. It's verse 26 and 27. I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Man, is that not powerful? Like, what if we always had that view of Jesus? What if we always had that view of Jesus? And you may be like, oh, he's just untying a sandal like a Chaco. That's really easy. And No, like think about how nasty people's feet were back then. Like feet are nasty now, but like back then they were even nastier. And all of a sudden, like John is like, look, the Messiah who you're probably gonna miss, like he's gonna come through here in the next few days. You're probably not gonna realize he's the Messiah. But to me, he is so great. Jesus is so amazing. I am not even worthy to untie his dirty sandal with his nasty feet. Like that's not just saying like, I am a servant. That is saying, I am the lowest of the low servant and I'm not even worthy of doing that. That is how John viewed Jesus. He said, Jesus is so much greater. Jesus is so much more powerful. Jesus is the one that brings people from death to life. Me? Me, I'm just preparing a way for him. 
I'm just seeing people turn back to God to be ready for this message that is to come. And why am I getting this recognition? Because I'm not doing it the way that the other religious leaders think it should be done. Because I'm baptizing Jews when really only Gentiles were being baptized. John understood the why. He understood the why. And you may say, look, I don't have a specific purpose. I don't have a specific why. It's not as clear to me as it was to John, which I think is pretty understandable. But let's look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm gonna read that one more time. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're to do good works not in order to achieve salvation because Zach talked about that last week. Like we can never earn that. It's all about what Jesus did on the cross. But out of our love and obedience to him, we are to love him and love other people and serve them and point them to Jesus. That is all of our purposes. But many of you look at Zach, you look at Denver, you look at other pastors you watch online or from back home and you're like, that's their job. No, that is your job as well. We are all called to love and serve people. Not just me, not just Denver, not just Zach, not just Lauren. We are all called to do that. No matter what your job is, no matter if you have a job or you don't have a job, we all have a purpose. A good example, and like I said, I don't want to use a minister as an example. I want to give you just a real, like, normal person. Somebody that has been a part of this church for over three years, they serve every Sunday, but you've probably missed them. His name's Josiah Mers. If you've met Josiah, he's just an awesome, awesome guy. And Josiah, I have seen him grow and mature so much in the last few years. He loves the Lord so much, and he pursues him. He pursues him so hard. One thing about Josiah, Josiah has worked some not flashy jobs. Since I've known him, he's worked at two different grocery stores. He's worked at a coffee shop. Before that, he worked at pretty much every fast food chain in the world. But what I love about Josiah is he doesn't care. He doesn't care if his job is big and flashy. What he does care about, he cares about doing everything to the best of his ability. He takes pride in everything that he does. When it comes to customers, he treats them with so much love and respect. When it comes to the employees around him, he cares about them. And not just the, hey, how are you? And then you don't really care. Like, he genuinely cares about them. He hears their stories. He, he talks with them in depth. He prays with them. Like, that is an example of somebody that I'm like, hey, he's walking this out. He may not have the flashiest job. But it doesn't matter if he's working at Wendy's. It doesn't matter if he's here helping at the church. He is loving God and loving people and what he does. And I think that's something that we can all strive. No matter if you're in the political world, you're in the military, if you're doing whatever else, we can all point people to Christ in what we do. The question is, do you need to evaluate why you do what you do? Do you need to evaluate why you do what you do? And that may have a spiritual implication. Like, yes, I know that I can use my influence and I can use my power to point people to Jesus. But for some of you, even on a non-spiritual level, 
Like, have you lost sight of why you got into the field that you did? Because I think most of you, it's probably to help people and to make people's lives better. Have you lost sight of that? Are you just so focused now on what you can achieve, the success that you can have, how much money you can make? Have you lost sight of the why? We're gonna wrap up our passage today with verse 28. It seems like a really insignificant passage. And for some of you, you may still view it like that afterwards. But verse 28 says this, this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. You may read this and you're like, why wasn't that at the top? Like, why didn't it state where he was and what he was doing at the top? But the cool thing is, there was so much attention to what was taking place that the location didn't really matter. The location was not ideal. Scholars don't really know exactly where John was doing this great ministry. They believe that it was far outside of Jerusalem because John was worried that it would upset the government. And so he said, you know what? Like, if I do it a little bit further away, maybe there won't be as much attention. Maybe nobody will really butt heads with me. Maybe the religious leaders will kind of leave me alone. Yet these people walked out into the wilderness to hear this message. The location didn't matter. I don't know about you, but I'm not walking anywhere to hear a man that I assume is crazy based off of his appearance. So his location was not great. John did not look like everybody else. That's another strike against him. His message, his methods were off in the cultural eyes at the time. But yet look at what God was doing. God was doing a miracle. Thousands of people were walking out into the wilderness to hear this man that looked different than everybody else, that taught different than everybody else, that had a message that was different than everybody else. Yet God was moving in a powerful way. And for some of you, God has been working and moving in your life. You getting here or staying here, that's a miracle in and of itself. But have you missed the miracle? Because you are so busy. Because you are so busy just going to the next thing, trying to get the next promotion, trying to find the next job. This city does that. It just is so fast. It never stops. You're just go, 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 go. Have you stopped and just realized the miracles that are taking place? Are you seeing how God is working and moving in your life and in the life of other people? One thing we try to do here at Waterfront as a staff is we try to slow down. Usually it's during staff meeting. That's the reason our staff meeting goes like super long. It's because we try to stop and we try to share what we have seen God doing and how he is moving and how he is working here at the church. And I'll be honest, and I think our entire staff would agree, we are not the smartest. We are not the most gifted staff in the world. But one thing we do try to do is we try to be obedient. We try to love people well, and God uses us. But he also uses you guys, and we get to see that in our ministries all the time. But we try to make it a priority to stop and recognize the crazy things that God is doing here in the church. We give him credit. We give him praise. Because that gives us a better view of who God is and who we are. That we are just servants serving him. And we recognize, God, look, me, I'm just a lowly servant. I don't even deserve 
to take off your sandals, but you, God, you're working and moving and using me, and that is so special. One of the greatest joys in life is realizing you are obediently following and serving the Lord. When you realize that, it's so special. Have some of you missed that because of busyness? My question is, do you need to stop and start recognizing the miracle? Do some of you need to stop and start recognizing the miracle? 